Hello, I'm Guillermina Gonzalez, Executive Director of the Delaware Arts Alliance, your host for today. And with me, we have Arian Harley, Director of Music and Operations at the Cathedral Music School of Delaware. Welcome, Arian. Good morning. Thank you. And also Jessica Ball, uh, Delaware Arts Alliance Operations Specialist. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And I know that you are just fresh from the press, coming back from Washington, D.C., advocating on behalf of the arts. What was that all about and why? Let me begin with Arian. Sure. Um, I think the, the first thing to uh, begin with is what is arts advocacy and who might be an arts advocate. Yep. Um, so we all understand what lobbying is. And mm-hmm. we know that corporations, they engage lobbyists to represent their interests. Mm-hmm. Um, nonprofits um, don't lobby. Um, mm-hmm. They're legally not allowed to. And our arts organizations, mm-hmm. for the vast majority, fall under that banner. So we don't lobby. We advocate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we do is the same thing, you know, that someone might do for a business or corporation. We mm-hmm. like to explain to our elected officials why it is beneficial mm-hmm. that the arts are supported and how it impacts constituents and the greater community as a whole mm-hmm. by job creation, by quality of life. There you go. And now, um, is the first time that you participate in the Arts Advocacy Day, I understand. Yes, that is correct. Uh, and, but you've been involved in uh, the arts for a long time. What yes. made you choose 2017 as a day for you to participate? Well, uh, my biggest concern um, was circulating around cuts to the National Endowment for the Arts, the Mm -hmm. NBA. Um, And I know the choir school, for instance, would have... It would be extremely impactful to the car school in a negative way. Mm-hmm. And I felt that I could not sit on the sidelines mm-hmm. um, and watch other people on the battlefield. I felt very much so that I needed to be a part of the dialogue and a mm-hmm. part of the conversation. Want to educate myself mm-hmm. um, so that I know more and so that I can um, really help to share the stories of how uh, the National Endowment of the Arts and the Delaware Division of the Arts have impacted mm-hmm. um you know, our students here mm-hmm. um, in Delaware. There you go. What about you, Jessica? You've been involved in the arts for quite some time, but uh, what is it uh, for you to be an arts advocate? Uh, is it something close to your heart or just something that nice people do? <laughs> well, yes, personally, the arts are uh, close to my heart. Um, I've always uh, been interested in the arts. I uh, studied the arts in school, um, uh, architecture and design specifically. Um, but uh, I advocate for the arts because I believe wholeheartedly that the arts have the power to transform lives and transform communities uh, for the better. And um You know, this year at Arts Advocacy Day, it was clear that uh, 2017 is the year of the advocate. Mm -hmm. Uh, People were out in droves. I think that, um, you know, this... This year, people have become more uh, interested in taking being a part of their democracy mm-hmm. and uh, getting engaged with their legislators. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was great. We had uh, about 11 uh, delegates come with us mm-hmm. to the Hill to talk with our uh, congressional representatives about the power of the arts and what it might mean mm-hmm. if the NEA were uh, indeed eliminated as proposed in the uh, Donald Trump's skinny budget that was mm-hmm. released a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. 
So it's not good news. This is the time to, as Arian indicated, to be involved with the arts, supporting now um, the National Endowment for the Arts in terms of the total budget does not represent like a whole lot. Why is the administration in your opinion uh, aiming to slash the culture of this country? Um, you're absolutely right. The uh, budget for the National Endowment for the Arts is only $148 million annually. Mm -hmm. um, but that $148 million generates mm -hmm. an additional $600 million in matching grants. Mm -hmm. And Arian can speak a little bit to the power of um, the grants and the matching funds uh, that come from those mm -hmm. grants. But um, yes, I will say that I think this is not really a, uh, a financial issue for the for the administration. I think this is more of a of an ideological mm -hmm. issue. Mm -hmm. um, 148 million dollars is a small drop in the bucket when it mm -hmm. comes to our mm -hmm. our nation's uh, budget and our overall economy so um i think we have to make a decision as a as a country about mm -hmm. what our values are do we value arts and culture mm -hmm. do we value having um access to those things mm -hmm. for every american um so That, that's a that's a very good point. Is it about uh, really the budget, or uh, are we trying to make a political point? Right. Um, which brings the question of what is the fundamental um, work of the government in this case, and um, ideology it never seems to be like a good reason to slash something that affects. Uh, the mere constituency that deserves also quality of life, don't you think? Sure, absolutely. Um, one of the things that I absolutely agree with uh, that Jessica was saying is that we don't really get very far by eliminating the NEA. Mm -hmm. It is 0.004% of the total budget. Mm -hmm. You and I pay 47 cents a year <laughs> to fund the National Endowment for the Arts. So we're mm -hmm. talking um, about peanuts here. So I definitely think that it is um, an ideological um, thought. Um, But I think we need to dig deeper. Yes, the arts do improve our quality of life, and that alone is enough for us to advocate for it mm -hmm. because we can see the transformative power for music uh, of any of the arts, mm -hmm. um, you know, and the lives of citizens across the nation. But we also have to look at the economic impact that mm -hmm. it has, the job creation, over four million, four point one million jobs that it creates um, across our country, um, that it represents four percent of our total GDP. Mm -hmm. um, those are those are real uh, statistics and data that I think uh, we. Should should be worried about. We really uh, should be worried about that. And even though the National Endowment of the Arts um, is only, you know, $148 million, mm -hmm. as Jessica said, we do use those funds to leverage other funding um, from from individuals, from corporations mm -hmm. and private foundations, because um, just... Uh, nonprofits uh, and arts organizations, they are businesses, and mm -hmm. everyone needs to have a diverse business portfolio with multiple streams of funding. Mm -hmm. So when you receive a grant from the National Endowment of the Arts, that's a vote of confidence. And so just like, um, you know, when our economy is doing well and, mm -hmm. you know, certain people invest in areas, that's seen as a vote of confidence. Mm -hmm. When the National Endowment of the Arts uh, invests in smaller local arts-based organizations, that is a vote of confidence, and those funds are 
are matched uh, through other funding mm-hmm. um, resources. So that's really, really important for us to um, to think about. And we also have to keep in mind that the arts should not be a partisan issue. Mm-hmm. Um, the arts, uh, I mean, the NEA is serving every every district um, mm-hmm. across the country. So over 16,000 community projects um, are currently going on. Mm-hmm. States are also allocating money. For instance, um, the Delaware Division of the Arts, they are partly funded through mm-hmm. the National Endowment for the Arts. And then um, they even give uh, grants out to other organizations. So the impact is, is quite quite large. Um, and one of the things that I guess concerns me um, to a great degree is that I personally feel that the arts are infrastructure. And so um, our president has put an emphasis in infrastructure, but we forget that the arts are a part of that infrastructure. Right. Yes, we have roads. Yes, we have other things that are physical and tangible. Mm-hmm. But why are we using these roads? We're using these roads so that we can get to places such as our employers. But what are we doing in cars afterwards? We're going to cultural events. We're going to be a part of communities. And mm-hmm. so when you look at the purpose of infrastructure, we too, the arts are a part of that core infrastructure. Um, and we're really inter woven within the American fabric. Um, And that is something that we can't afford to lose. And we can't afford to allow our most vulnerable and underserved citizens to fall even further behind. Because um, experiencing the arts is not a privilege. It should not be a privilege. It should be available to all citizens. That's an extraordinary point. And many of the very conservative uh, side of the aisle said that this is only for the, the one of the top, the, the elitist uh, type of individuals. How can you uh, demythify the concept that the arts just belong to the rich and famous and the chosen few and not necessarily regular people? Well, I think that when certain folks look at the arts, they are looking at certain medians of artistic expression that might, uh, you know, express views that are differing from their own. Right. Um, and, and perhaps your own program reflects precisely what we're talking exactly. about. You connect with the underserved population. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and because, you know, our art might reflect our population and it should. Each person's art should represents their own interests and art is varied and it does not belong to one side of the aisle or the other my concern is that is the perception that it Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. um that one it is for the liberal elite Mm -hmm. or that it is just for um that the arts are a mechanism of of liberal protest Mm -hmm. and so i think that those are Perceptions, they are false. We know that there are people um, of all, on both sides of the aisle who mm-hmm. who um, really value the arts and are really expressing um, through the arts. Well, I re-engage with the audience to your point. Uh, just today, Mike Huckabee, a very conservative Republican, former governor of, of, of Arkansas, um, he is uh, making a plea in the Washington Post for the preservation of the National Endowment for the Arts. So as you indicated, it pertains to both sides of the aisle, and the arts proven to be, once again, that uh, could well be the unifying point. Because who's opposed to the arts when you understand the impact of the arts? Well, I say that. Let me re-engage with the audience to let them know that you're listening to Delaware State of the Arts, News Talk, 1450 WILM, and 1410 WDOV. Today we're talking about arts advocacy. 
what happened in the recent visits to the Hill, supporting, among other things, the National Endowment for the Arts, and how arts advocacy makes a difference uh, when you are involved in supporting the arts. With us, we have Arian Harley, Director of, the mu uh, of Music and Operations at the Cathedral Choir School of Delaware, and also Jessica Ball, um, Delaware Arts Alliance Operations Specialist. So, Jessica, how can you be an arts advocate in this stage and age? It's not like that we are past the picketing uh, activities that make a point. How can you, in this stage and age, be a relevant arts advocate? Well... Um, anyone can be an arts advocate. That's mm -hmm. the great news. Uh, if you are passionate about the arts and culture in your community and in your state and in your country, if you are a concerned citizen, um, you can be an arts advocate. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that one Here's way... a few examples. Maybe people think... Because I agree with Arian at the beginning, you think about advocacy and you think like these fancy pants words that everybody says and we don't necessarily relate to. Um, translate arts advocacy to me in more concrete terms. Well, an advocate is someone who works to change uh, opinion through education and mm -hmm. information. So... That's the great news that anyone can be an art advocate. Mm -hmm. um, you just need to be uh, willing and able to speak with other people about the power of the arts, whether it's your neighbor, whether it's um, someone who's on the uh, school board, whether it's uh, your senators uh, in Congress and your, your representative in the House. So... Um, What advocacy is, is really just spreading good information about mm -hmm. a topic that you feel passionate about. And um, the Delaware Arts Alliance is a advocacy organization that serves the entire state of Delaware. Um, and we have institutional supporters, but we also have individual members. Mm -hmm. So if you're a member of the community who's passionate about the arts, you can visit the Delaware Arts Alliance, I'm sorry, DelawareArtsAlliance.org and find out more information on how to become an arts advocate. Mm -hmm. um, part of it is, you know, feeling comfortable and being just ready and able to to talk about the arts. Um, part of it is maybe being ready to write a letter to your uh, to your congressional representatives or uh, pick up the phone and make a phone call. Mm -hmm. um, it means coming to some events and getting uh, up-to-date information on the power of the arts, whether it's uh, the economic power of the arts or whether it's, you know, how students that are engaged in the arts perform uh, better in school and on their exams. Um, so, yes, if you're interested in, in learning more about arts there's, advocacy. Uh, there's options over there. Yes. And, uh, Arian, um, I've seen uh, you performing and I've seen uh, the Cathedral, Cathedral Choir School of Delaware performing. Mm -hmm. 
and how well behaved your students are. <laughs> yeah, mm. Are you are you building communities? Because at the end of the day, it's not just about the music. What I see is that uh, you're preparing people for the future and not necessarily beautiful singers. Absolutely. Uh, what we like to say is that we prepare our students for every stage. Um, and by that, we mean every stage of life. Um, being involved in the arts, mm -hmm. um, it, it requires discipline. It requires perseverance. It requires stick to it. Um, and there are, are a lot of studies that show, uh, yes, that, you know, there are uh, tremendous academic benefits um, to being involved with the arts. There are tremendous health benefits. Mm -hmm. There are tremendous wellness and psychological benefits for um, those who participate in the arts. But one of the things that I think that is just not spoken enough about is uh, grit. Uh, you know, we always talk about how um, our young people today, millennials and under, um, how they don't have the same sense of grit or perseverance mm -hmm. as generations before them. And that is one of the core things uh, that the arts build because right. you are interfacing with many different people, diverse people. Um, you are having work that is being critiqued. Um, you know, you are needing to be able to justify why you decided to use colors or a certain color palette. Um, so it is very important that um, we use the arts as a training ground for what our lives will in fact be like. In the future, right? <laughs> Now, how did you guys find um, the Delaware delegation? Because Delaware is in a relatively good place, but you were exposed to some other delegations that are in desperation. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't say desperation, but really concerned about the future of the National Endowment for the Arts and the Arts in each state. How did you find the Delaware delegation uh, during your visits? Jessica, let me go with you. Well, I, I felt like the... The Delaware delegation um, met with uh, our two senators mm -hmm. and our uh, representative. Did you in the find House. them uh, in favor of the arts? Uh, I, we're talking about Coons, Carper, and then Representative Blonde Rochester. Yes, our delegation found that uh, Senator Coons and Senator Carper and uh, Representative Blunt Rochester are all uh, very much in favor of the arts. Um, They are arts lovers themselves, I mean, on a personal mm -hmm. level, but it was clear that they all understand the um, the importance of the arts to Delaware. Right. Um, Is it true that Senator Carper signed, co-signed the letter supporting the National Endowment for the Arts? He did. He did. Right Right at, our, at the time of our visit, Senator Carper mm -hmm. uh, signed on. Uh, a letter expressing his support for the National Endowment for the Arts. Senator Coons has also signed mm -hmm. this letter. Mm -hmm. um, it's a letter from uh, from senators on both sides of the aisle, mm -hmm. in fact, to uh, the Trump administration and President Trump, mm -hmm. expressing their support uh, of continued federal funding for the National Endowment for the Arts. We're in a good place in Delaware, which is important. Yes. Uh, uh, did you find the same way with Representative Blonde Rochester, uh, Arian? Absolutely. Um, she was um, extremely enthusiastic about the arts. Um, and, you know, I have seen her myself at various performances throughout the state. So I know um, that mm -hmm. she is um, really um, a true supporter of the arts, and not just a supporter of the arts from the sidelines, but is actively engaged in With and involved in um, the arts. What is the size of the impact if uh, the National Endowment for the art, Arts uh, disappears? How does that translate in terms of Delaware? Well, um, the National Endowment for the Arts funds mm -hmm. 
make up uh, nearly 18% of the state arts budget. Mm -hmm. So if that federal money is eliminated Mm -hmm. through the elimination of the National Endowment for the Arts, Delaware is going to feel a big impact. And that money trickles down to arts organizations throughout the state. Mm -hmm. So what will ultimately happen is organizations will get less money for their uh for their artistic programming and for their uh, different events. Right. And, and, you know, jumping off of that is that, you know, it is so easy to look at a cut on a spreadsheet. Um, But when you start looking in folks' eyes and you are letting folks go from positions, Mm -hmm. when you are telling students, I'm sorry, you don't have color pencils this year and art classes this year, um, when you start, um, you know, taking away services in the Division of the Arts uh, funding, um, you know, because of the NEA, is us telling folks who are already receiving services, no. Mm -hmm. And that is something we have to realize. It's like, no, I'm sorry, you cannot learn to dance today. No, I'm sorry, you cannot be scholarshiped for that summer arts Mm -hmm. camp. Mm -hmm. No, we don't have funding for X, Y, or Z. No, I'm sorry. We cannot renew your contract for your employment this year. Right. Um, and so we have to look at it beyond the spreadsheet and mm-hmm. look at mm-hmm. uh, the humanity of, right. or the inhumanity, rather, um, of, of these cuts. Right. And the size of the economy, uh, Jessica, maybe the impact of the arts in the state of Delaware, Delaware you might want to refresh people's memories on that from yes. real quick because we have a few seconds left. Well, uh, the NEA and uh, the funds that come from the NEA and the Delaware Division of the Arts fuel a $142 million arts mm-hmm. and culture sector in Delaware. So it's a big economic impact. Not to mention, you mentioned before the 4,000 uh, Nearly 4,000 jobs. Yes. So it's, it's a lot of money, $9.9 million in local and state revenue. So this is not like like little things, right? right? And with that, guess what? You don't have enough time when you're having fun and we're having fun together. I want to thank right. you for your presence today and for being such terrific advocates and what you are doing for the arts um, in Capitol Hill. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.